that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is the messenger of Allah as well as the meaning of this testimony the shahada that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is the messenger of Allah likewise we have discussed the conditions or the shuroot of this testimony and after doing so with that we have completed the first of the pillars of Islam and after that uh, we discussed in brief the evidences for the other pillars of Islam, that is the evidence for as salat and zakat, prayer and charity, as sawm and hajj, fasting and pilgrimage. <coughs> and we also discussed the ruling concerning those who deny any of these pillars, as well as those who agree to it, confess to it, admit it, however, fail to comply with it or to perform it. In the last two questions, <coughs> we discussed uh, the beginning of the next aspect of the deen of Allah that is Al-Iman. We said that the author has followed the hadith which is known as Hadith Jibreel السلام, in which the Prophet explained after being asked, he explained what is Islam, what is Iman, and what is Ihsan. So he has followed this pattern, first discussing Al-Islam, the pillars, the five pillars of Islam, emphasizing the first of them, that is the shahada of la ilaha illallah or Muhammad Rasulullah, and then briefly discussing the other pillars. And in similar fashion, the author has begun to discuss the pillars, the six pillars of Iman, the first of them being al-Iman billahi ta'ala, believing in Allah the Most High and whatever that entails. And he has discussed this also in great detail. A number of questions related to this issue, the having Iman in Allah, and the issues that are related to it he has discussed in question and answer format with the evidences for each of those points. Last week we took as the last two questions what is Al-Iman and what is the proof that it consists of speech and action. Because of the importance of this subject uh, I would just like to review these two questions briefly without the details that we have added from other sources so that the matter is clear. In case it is something new for some of us, then we don't want that this matter go misunderstood. So the we will start this evening, the Ta'ala, with question number 36, what is Iman? Just mentioning briefly what the author, Rahimahullah, Hafiz al-Hakami, has mentioned concerning this issue. He said that Iman is speech and action. And this, we said, is the general brief definition of Iman, it is speech and action. The meaning of this is that everyone agrees that Iman requires that a person have a conviction in their heart. However, the difference of opinion is concerning whether or not Iman also includes speech and actions. So the scholars of Sunnah, they defined Iman in consideration of the fact that everyone has an agreement that there is a requirement that there be a conviction in the heart. However, the difference is about whether or not the speech that one speaks or the actions that one does is also included in Iman. Therefore they said, Al-Iman is speech and action. And then he said, giving further definition of this speech and action, he said, it is speech of the heart and the tongue. It is speech of the heart and speech of the tongue. And it is actions of the heart and the tongue and the limbs or the body parts. So this speech and action, he said, there are two types of speech, speech of the heart and speech of the tongue. 
and that there are three types of action, action of the heart, action of the tongue, and action of the body parts. And then he said, in addition to that, that Iman increases with obedience to Allah and His Messenger وسلم, and it decreases with disobedience. Yani Iman increases and decreases, it doesn't remain stable, but it increases in accordance with the increase in one's good deeds or acts of obedience to Allah, and it decreases with the opposite. Yani with decreasing good deeds or acts of disobedience. And then he added to this a very important point which is one of the characteristics of Iman and it has not been included in the definition of Iman by many of the scholars however they have discussed it without including it as part of the definition and that is he said that the people of Iman, the Mu'minun that they differ in terms of the degree of completion or the perfection of their Iman Yani the people of Iman, the believers are not all on one level in terms of Iman. Some of their, some of them, their Iman is more complete and perfect, and some less. The next question, he said, what is the proof that al Iman includes speech as well as action? And he mentioned the saying of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala from Surah Hujurat, chapter 49, verse 7. وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ حَبَّبَ إِلَيْكُمُ الْإِيمَانَ وَزَيَّنَهُ فِي قُلُوبِكُمْ But however Allah has endeared to you or made beloved to you the Iman and He has beautified it in your hearts. And then He mentioned after this that uh, after this He mentioned the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from Surah Al-A'raq chapter 7 verse 158 وَرَسُولِهِ The order of Allah ordering us to believe in Allah and to believe in His Messenger. He said that this is, this, these two things, believing in Allah and His Messenger, this is the meaning of the shahadatayn, the two testimonies uh, through which a person enters the deen of Allah, or, or without which one cannot enter the deen of Allah. And he said that this testimony of this shahadatayn, it is the action of the heart in terms of atiqad, conviction or belief, and it is from the action of the tongue in terms of pronunciation or nusq and that no one would benefit from it or it would not benefit anyone except that both of these are complied with that both of them are in conformity, that they are in agreement that which is in the heart, the conviction in the heart has to be in agreement with the pronouncement on the tongue and then he also used as a proof for this matter, that Al-Iman includes speech and actions, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 143, وَمَا اللَّهُ لِيُدِيعَ إِيمَانَكُمْ That Allah would not cause to be lost your Iman, إِيمَانَكُمْ meaning the Iman of the believers. The scholars of Tafsir said that the meaning of إِيمَانَكُمْ that Allah would not cause your Iman to be lost, that it is your Salat, the Salat that was performed to base al-Maqtis towards Jerusalem, before the changing of the Qibla to Mecca. And he said that the Salat, the whole of it, the whole of the Salat, all of its aspects, has been named by Allah in this ayat by Iman. He has called the Salat Iman. And he said that <coughs> indeed the Salat, وَهِيَ جَامِعَةٌ لِعَمَلِ الْقَلْبِ وَالْلِسَانِ وَالْجَوَارِ That it is that which comprises or brings together, which brings together these three things, the action of the heart, the action of the tongue, and the action of the body parts. Yani the action of the heart meaning the intention, the sincere intention or ikhlas, and the action of the tongue, that which is recited of Qur'an, or the words of dhikr or remembrance, and the action of the body parts, the standing, bowing, prostration, and so on. 
Then he said, he closed by saying that the Prophet ﷺ has considered the following things, all of it as being part of Iman. He called Al-Jihad, or he said that Al-Jihad is part of Iman, and standing on the night of Qadr is part of Iman, and fasting in Ramadan is part of Iman, and standing in Ramadan, meaning in the night of Ramadan, is part of Iman, it is an aspect of Iman, and uh, and paying the khumus, yani the, the fifth from the spoils of war, that this is also part of Iman. And he said there are also other things that are part of Iman, and all of these uh, points that he has made here, they are chapter headings from the Sahih of Al-Bukhari, Rahimahullah. Al-Imam Al-Bukhari, in the first volume of his Sahih, in the book of Iman, he has a number of chapters, more than 40 some odd chapters, and from amongst them he has the chapter, Bab Al-Jihad Min Al-Iman, that Jihad is a part of Iman. Al-Siyam, Al-Qiyam Laylat Al-Qadr Min Al-Iman, Siyam Ramadan Min Al-Iman, and so on. That these are aspects of Iman, and then he mentioned the Hadith for each of these points, including these and others that he has mentioned which the author has not mentioned here. So whoever wants to know the proof that these things are part of Iman, you have to really go back to the Sahih of Al-Bukhari and the first volume of the Book of Iman and you will find all of these points and others listed as being part of Iman and the proof from the authentic hadith of the Prophet ﷺ for such. And finally he ended by saying that the Prophet ﷺ was asked, Ayyu al-A'mal afdal, which of the actions or the deeds is best? And the Prophet ﷺ, he didn't mention what one might expect, some action like salat or zakat or siyam, but he said, Iman billahi wa rasulihi. The best of actions, it is Iman. And that means that Iman is an action. That Iman includes actions. And the best of actions, it is the Iman having faith in Allah and His Messenger. As Shaykh Muhammad ibn Sayyid al-Sayyid rahimahullah has also mentioned, as many of the other scholars have mentioned, as a proof that speech and action are also a part of Iman. The hadith of the Prophet ﷺ reported in the Sahih of Muslim on the authority of Abu Hurairah that Iman is 70 some odd branches. In Bukhari he has a narration that it is 60 some odd branches. The highest of those branches of Iman, the branches of Iman, that means there are parts of Iman, the highest of those branches is the saying, speech, the saying of La ilaha illallah, and the lowest of them is an action, removing something harmful from the road, and al-haya, yani modesty, that which, which is of the actions of the heart, he said this is also a shurba or a branch of Iman. So this hadith in itself is a proof that both speech as well as actions, including the actions of the heart, the actions of the body part and the actions of the heart, that all of this is part of Iman. And the proofs concerning this are many. Uh, after that, in question number 38, I think that was where we have left off at question number 38. Uh, and by the way, this question of the aspects of Iman and the definition of Iman and the proofs for it have been discussed previously in detail in the essay of Shaykh Abdurrahman al-Sa'adi Al-Tawdih wal-Bayan bi-Shajrat al-Iman, the Tree of Faith In that essay we have discussed these matters in uh, much detail uh, This evening the first question that we want to take is what is the evidence uh, for the fact that Iman increases and decreases for Ziyadat al-Iman wa Nuqsan what is the proof or the evidence that uh, there is an increase, there can be an increase in Iman as well as a decrease. And the Shaykh, the author, Rahimahullah, has mentioned a number of proofs. The first of them is from Surah Al-Fatih, chapter 48, verse 4, the saying of Allah, 
ليزدادوا إيمانا مع إيمانهم. يعني the beginning of this ayah is that Allah has sent down on the hearts of the believers a sakina. And then he mentioned this saying that he has sent this sakina upon the hearts of the believers ليزدادوا إيمانا مع إيمانهم. So that they may increase in iman along with the iman that they already had. They have iman and that this sakina when it comes down upon the hearts of the believers it increases the iman. It makes the iman to increase. This is a clear proof that iman increases. Then he mentioned a number of other verses from Surah Al-Kahf chapter 18 verse 13 huda. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said and we have increased them in Huda, in guidance, and the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from Surah Maryam, chapter 19, verse 76, that Allah increases those who follow the guidance. Hudan, yani with more guidance, increasing guidance. And also the saying of Allah from Surah Muhammad, chapter 47, verse 17, that those who follow the guidance or accept the guidance, then Allah increases them in guidance. Uh, further, he mentions from Surah Al-Mudathir, chapter 74, verse 31, And that those who believe are increased in Iman. The Iman increases. Yazdad. Then he says also, and he mentioned so many uh, verses or so many proofs concerning this because of the great difference of opinion and the danger of following the opinion of those who held that Iman does not include one's deeds and therefore does not increase or decrease it is merely a conviction in the heart that remains stable so he mentioned a lot of evidences here also he mentioned from Surah Tawbah chapter 9 verse 124 as for those who believe it has increased them in Iman in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from Surah Ali Imran chapter 3 verse 173 فَخْشَوْهُمْ فَزَادَهُمْ إِمَانًا يعني so it was said to them fear فَخْشَوْهُمْ so fear them those who have gathered uh, the confederates those who have gathered against the believers to destroy them so they, the people said that they have gathered against you, against you so fear them فَزَادَهُمْ إِمَانًا but however instead of them fearing it only increased them in Iman and finally he mentioned the ayah from Surah Al-Ahzab chapter 33 verse 22 وَمَا زَادَهُمْ إِلَّا إِمَانًا وَتَسْلِيمًا That it only increased them in Iman and in submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these verses and many others are proofs that Iman increases. And as Shaykh Muhammad uh, Ibn Uthaymeen rahimahullah said, the, the principle that the Ahl Sunnah follow concerning this is that إِثْبَاتْ الزِّيَادَةَ مُسْتَلْزِمْ لِلنَّقْسِ that the confirmation that there is the possibility of an increase, it necessitates likewise the possibility of there being a decrease. And in similar words, Shaykh Abdullah Abdurrahman ibn Jibreel has also, Hafizahullah, he, he stated that principle in other words but the same meaning, كُلُّ شَيْءٍ يَقْبَلَ الزِّيَادَةِ فَهُوَ قَابِلَ That everything which accepts increase, then it is also open يعني, to accept decrease. And some of the scholars have also mentioned another proof concerning the decrease in Iman, not only this principle, but the hadith reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim from Abdullah ibn Umar, may Allah be pleased with him and his father, 
The saying of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, مَا رَأَيْتُ مِنْ نَاقِصَاتِ أَقْلٍ وَدِينٍ أَذْهَبَ لِلْمُبْخَ الرَّجِلَ الْحَازِمْ مِنْ إِحْدَى كُنَّمِ This was a statement that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made to a gathering of women. He said that I have not seen anyone who has a defect in their aql and in their deen, yani a shortcoming in their intellect and in their deen, uh, who is more able to take the mind of a yani, of a, a man who is hazm, yani a, a person who is strong. Nobody, I haven't seen anybody who is able to affect their mind, to overcome them, more than one of you, meaning the women. And in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said that there is some defect or so, some shortcoming in the aql, in the intellect and in the deen of the women, and he explained the meaning of it unlike what many people might imagine on the surface of it and Al-Imam Al-Nawwi Rahimahullah in his explanation of Sahih Muslim has given a good explanation of this in which he has shown that the meaning of this defect or shortcoming it is not something that is blameworthy that the woman is not blamed for it however in fact what it is is that it is something uh, that it is within the nature that Allah has created them upon and the Prophet Sallallahu explained exactly what is the defect in intellect, actually it is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them the mercy or out of his mercy to them he has uh, made it so that when women are witnesses in financial matters, in financial matters, not in the matters of the narration of hadith or testifying in that which they have yani, familiarity with, but in financial matters Allah has required that if a woman is a witness there should be two women. And that is, as the Qur'an says, so that one of them, if one of them suggests the other one would remind her. As for the naqs or nuqsan in the neen, the Prophet ﷺ, he said that it is that when the woman is having her monthly cycle, a menses, a menstruation, that during that period she is not allowed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to pray nor to fast. Therefore it is a decrease in her acts of obedience, which means a decrease in her deen, However, it is not a blameworthy decrease, even if she were to fast and pray, it would not be accepted. But it is the way that Allah has created her, and it doesn't mean that the woman is less than man, it means that Allah has created the woman in this way. In any case, this hadith is a proof that there is naqs, or there is muqsan in the deen. When a person decreases acts of obedience to Allah, acts of worship, then there is a decrease in their deen, and when they increase, then there is increase. Allah uh, Finally, the Shaykh has mentioned a hadith, <coughs> as a proof of increase and decrease in Iman, which not many scholars have mentioned in this discussion, is a very uh, good proof for this matter. And he said that it has been reported, or after saying that there are many other ayats also concerning the increase and decrease of Iman, he said it has been reported from the Prophet وسلم, that he said, لو أنكم تكونون في كل حالة كحالتكم عندي لصافحتكم الملائكة said that if you all were to remain you were to remain in the same condition يعني in every condition, situation or circumstance as you are in the condition when you are with me if you were to remain in that condition at all times the same as when you are with me then the angels would shake hands with you the angels they would come down to earth and shake hands with you this hadith, it is reported in a number of collections. The narration that is in the Sahih of Muslim tells the complete story of this hadith. 
And in that narration, it is reported from Hanzalah al-Asidi, radiallahu anhu, the companion of the Prophet and he was one of those who used to write for the Messenger of Allah He said that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu met me. And I said, and he said, uh, Abu Bakr said to him, How are you, ya Hanzala? And he said, Nafaqa Hanzala. That Hanzala has become a hypocrite, a munafiq, a hypocrite. That's what he said about himself. Then Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu said, Subhanallah. And he said, Subhanallah, how can you say such a thing? What are you saying? He said to him. He said, I said, Hanzala said, I said, that when we are with the Messenger of Allah, نَكُونُ عِنْدَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمُ يُذَكِّرُنَا بِالنَّارِ وَالْجَنَّةِ حَتَّى كَأَنَّ رَأْيَ الْعَيْنِ رَأْيَ عَيْنِ يعني he said that we are sometimes in the presence of the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم when we are in his presence and he reminds us of the hellfire and the paradise it is as though we are seeing it with our eyes يعني we are in a condition as though the, the paradise and the hellfire is in front of us as though we are seeing it from the reminder of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم فَإِذَا خَرَجْنَا مِنْ عِنْدِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم عَافَسْنَا الْأَزْوَاجِ وَالْأَوْلَادِ he said, however, when we go out from the presence of the Messenger of Allah we began to engage ourselves or involve ourselves with our wives and with our children and seeking the things of the world, our business or trade and as a result of that we forget much yani much of what the Prophet has reminded of them has reminded them of. And he means to say here that when we are in the presence of the Prophet وسلم, he is reminding us about the paradise and the hellfire, our iman is very high. And it is as though we are seeing the paradise and the hellfire in front of us. How would somebody be if they actually see the paradise or the hellfire in front of them? That is the condition of the iman. However, when they leave the presence of the Prophet وسلم, and they engage themselves with their family, with their wives and their children and their trade and business, then they forget much of what he has reminded them of and their iman decreases. He said, he felt from that that he is a hypocrite. He is in one state with the Prophet وسلم, but when he goes away, he is in a different state. So Abu Bakr anhu said to him, uh, he said, well, the Prophet وسلم, said to him, when he said such, he said, uh, he said that to Abu Bakr, and Abu Bakr said, yes, we also find the same thing. Then he and Abu Bakr went until they came to the Messenger of Allah وسلم, and he said the same thing to the Prophet that Hanbala has become a hypocrite O Messenger of Allah and the Prophet وسلم, said what do you mean by that? He said what he said previously that when we are in your presence and you remind us of the hellfire and the paradise it is as though we see it with our eyes and if we go out from your presence then we get engaged with our families and our children and seeking our worldly matters and we forget much so the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said to him in the narration of Sahih Muslim وَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِهِ لَوْ تَدُومُونَ عَلَى مَا تَكُونُونَ عِنْدِي فِي الذِّكْرِ لَصَافَحَتْكُمْ الْمَلَائِكَةَ عَلَى فُرُشِكُمْ وَفِي تُرُقِكُمْ وَلَكِنْ يَا حَنْظَرَ سَاعَةً وَسَاعَةً ثَلَاثَ مَرَّاتٍ The Prophet وسلم, said I swear by the one in whose life in whose hand is my life I swear by Allah that if you are continuously if you remain continuously in the condition that you are in when you are with me in terms of dhikr remembering Allah and being reminded of Allah if you remain in that condition all the time then the angels they would 
give, they would come and, and shake hands with you upon your bed, while you're upon your bed, and while you're walking in the roads. And they would come and meet you and shake hands with you. However, Ya Alhamdulillah, what is required of you, it is not necessary that you remain in this condition 24 hours a day, but what is required, he said, is Sa'atan, Sa'atan, and he repeated it three times, meaning a Sa'a, it is a period of time, that there should be some time for your family, for your wife, and for your children, and for your business matters, to take care of your worldly affairs. And the remaining time, it should be for Allah. Uh, this hadith also has been recorded by Imam Ahmed Rahimahullah in his Musnad and in that narration it is very similar however he said that if you had remained in this condition then as you are when you are with me the angels would shake hands with you with their palms and they would visit you in your homes and this hadith it is not a proof that one is not allowed to engage in their worldly affairs or to play with their children or spend time with their spouse but what is required is that a person gives some time to those things that Allah has made lawful of the worldly things and the rest of the time it should be for Allah because the purpose for which we have been created is to worship Allah therefore that most of our time should be for this reason however if a person engages in that which Allah has made lawful what Allah has allowed without going to the extreme in it, then this is permissible, there is no harm in doing so, it is natural. And in fact, if we do whatever we do that is lawful for the sake of Allah, for the pleasure of Allah, only engaging in that which He has allowed and avoiding that which He has prohibited, then this is also considered as ibadah. In the next question, the Shaykh Rahimahullah asks, what is the proof or the evidence that there is some variation or difference or superiority amongst the people of Iman, concerning Iman. In reference to Iman, what is the proof that there is a difference in the completion or the perfection or the superiority of some of the people of Iman over others? And here again the author has mentioned a number of proofs. The first of them, it is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from Surah Al-Waqiyah, chapter 56, verse 10, and he has only mentioned a portion of this section, but actually the quotation is from verse 10 until verse 27. And the portion that he has mentioned, it is the shahid or the point that is a witness or a proof of what he intends to prove here. He mentioned the saying of Allah, وَالسَّابِقُونَ الْمُقَرَّبُونَ That the sabiqun, those who are first and foremost, in this world, yani in answering the call of Allah and believing in Allah and following the Prophet wasallam, those who are foremost in this world, they will be the foremost in the next life. They will be ahead of the others. He said, these are al-muqarrabun, those who are near, who will be near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the next life. And the ayat that he didn't quote, but it is also important, and yani from those ayats is that which follows the saying of Allah, ثُلَّةٌ مِنَ الْأَوَّلِينَ وَقَلِيلٌ مِنَ الْآخِرِينَ That there will be a multitude or a large number, jama'at, of those يعني, who will be from the sabiqun, the foremost, the muqarrabun, there will be a large number from amongst al-awwaleen, the first who came to Islam, the first generation of the Muslims, the sahaba and those who followed in their way, and a smaller number from amongst al-akhirin, those who came to Islam later. And in the later generations, in our time, until Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Yani the Sabiqun, the, the, the foremost, the Muqarrabun, those who are nearest to Allah, there will be a large number from amongst the early generations of the Muslims, and a smaller number 
from the later generations. And some of the scholars gave a different interpretation to this expression. However, this is the more correct interpretation, Wallahu alam. Uh, then he quoted also from this same section the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَأَصْحَابُ الْيَمِينِ مَا أَصْحَابُ الْيَمِينِ The companions of the right hand What will make us to know what is the condition of the Ashab al-Yameen the companions of the right hand uh, and concerning these also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said يعني the numbers of them he said ثُلَّةٌ مِنَ الْأَوَّلِينَ وَثُلَّةٌ مِنَ الْآخِرِينَ that there will be multitudes or large numbers of these the companions of the right hand they are a lesser level than the sabiqun al-muqarrabun but they are those who receive their records in their right hand meaning they are those who will be successful who will enter the jannah but they are not on the same level as the sabiqun the foremost the muqarrabun those who are nearest to Allah Akhi, would you check the computer make sure uh, he said that these will be multitudes from there will be a large number from the first generations in addition to a large number from the first generation of the Sabiqun, and there would be also a large number from the later generations of Ashab al-Yameen yani those who would receive their records in their right hand there will also be a large number from the later generations of the Muslims then he mentioned also as a proof from Surah Al-Waqiyah the same chapter 56 uh, from verse 88 he mentions also just a quotation from this section uh, that also shows the superiority of some of the believers over others and he said فَأَمَّا إِنْ كَانَ مِنَ الْمُقَرَّبِينَ يعني as for the dying person if he is from the مُقَرَّبِينَ those who are nearest to Allah this is the high level فَرَوْحٌ وَرَيْحَانٌ وَجَنَّةُ نَعِيمٌ then they will have رَوْحٌ يعني رحمة ومغفرة the forgiveness of Allah the mercy of Allah وَرَيْحَانٌ provisions from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and rest and they will have يعني جنة نعيم gardens of delight وأما إن كان من أصحاب اليمين this is a lesser level than the مقربين he said however if they are from أصحاب اليمين the companions of the right hand would receive the records in the right hand meaning that they would be successful of the people of paradise فسلام لك من أصحاب اليمين then there is salam يعني safety from the punishment of Allah سبحانه وتعالى and peace من أصحاب اليمين from the people from those the companions of the right hand so these eyes also show that there is a different level the مقربون those who are nearest and the أصحاب اليمين those who are also of the people of success who earn the reward of Allah but at a lesser level and finally he mentioned the saying Allah سبحانه وتعالى from Surah Al-Fatir chapter 35 verse 32 فَمِنْهُمْ ظَالِمٌ لِنَفْسِهِ that's from amongst the believers, those people who are who have believed in Allah, there are different levels from amongst them, ظَالِمٌ لِنَفْسِهِ those who wrong their own selves and some of the scholars of tafsir and some of the scholars of the sunnah they said that the ظَالِمٌ لِنَفْسِهِ is the one who doesn't fulfill all of the obligatory duties therefore he falls short in his obligation to Allah or he engages in some of the prohibited things that are haram and therefore he falls short and he is a ظَالِمٌ لِنَفْسِهِ one who wrongs his own self وَمِنْهُمْ مُقْتَصِدُونَ And from amongst them are those who take the middle course. They don't engage in the haram. And they don't fall short in doing the obligatory duties. They just do what is required of them without going above and beyond what is required. وَمِنْهُمْ سَابِقُونَ بِالْخَيْرَاتِ بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ And from amongst them are a higher level that is the foremost in doing good. Those who are foremost in doing good by the permission 
of Allah and these are those who don't engage in the haram nor even the makruh and they fulfill all of the obligatory duties in addition to that which is not obligatory from the mustahibat those things which are commendable or rewardable but are not obligatory meaning they go above and beyond and this ayat is a clear indication that the levels of the believers are not one that they are not the same then the shaykh rahimahullah mentions as a proof that the levels of the believers in iman and the reason why this is an issue of importance is because there are those who believe that iman is just one level that whoever believes they are all the same and that actions are not a part of iman therefore whoever believes there is no difference between them and if these people indeed they have gone far astray uh, and they have deviated from that which is understood from the Qur'an and from the Sunnah it is a terrible and dangerous deviation for that reason it is important to understand that the people of Iman are not the same therefore one should strive to do better it's not sufficient that we believe but then we have to do more to complete and to perfect our Iman and to reach a higher level in earning the pleasure of Allah and His reward then he mentioned the hadith of al-shafa'ah, the hadith of the intercession of the Muqiyama. Uh, and he mentioned two narrations. One of them, the wording of it, we, we didn't find, but, but there is a, a narration uh, similar to it in the Sahih of al-Bukhari. The meaning is the same as the author has narrated here. He said that the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah will bring out of the fire مَنْ كَانَ فِي قَلْبِهِ وَزْنُ دِنَارٍ مِنْ إِمَانٍ That Allah would bring out of the fire uh, those, some, those who had in their heart the weight or the amount of a dinar of iman A dinar A dinar is a gold coin, yani a small amount of iman uh, Then we bring out those who have in their heart نِصْفُ دِنَارٍ مِنْ إِمَانٍ Those who have even yani, that amount which is equal to a half of a dinar of iman This shows that the iman of the people would not be the same. There are those who have a, lo- a lot of iman and there are those who have less. There are those who just have the weight of a dinar and iman and those who have half of that and so on. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would bring out of the fire at some point even those who have the least amount of iman because iman would protect a person from being eternally in the hellfire. Even if they were punished for some time but they would eventually be released from the fire of the people of iman and die on tawheed. Then he mentioned uh, the narration of Al-Imam Muslim that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring out of the fire whoever said la ilaha illallah wa kana fi qalbihi min al-khayr ma yazinu sha'ira and he will bring out of the fire whoever said la ilaha illallah while having in his heart that which weighs uh, the amount of a seed of barley of khayr and in the Sahih of Bukhari this narration of the hadith has been mentioned by some of the narrators Instead of min al-khayr, yani the weight of al-khayr or good, it has min iman, the weight of iman. Then he said he would bring out of the fire whoever said la ilaha illallah while having in his heart al-khayr or the amount of good or in, the, in one of the narrations of Bukhari the amount of iman which is equal to the weight of a uh, seed of wheat. And then he would bring out of the fire whoever says la ilaha illallah and he had in his heart the amount of that which is equal in khair to the weight of an atom or a small ant of good and and as we said that it is narrated also in some of the copies of al-imam al-bukhari in his sahih that the word in here in this hadith is the amount of iman so again this hadith shows 
that the iman of the people is not the same. Some, of the, some people will have a very small amount of iman, even that which is the weight of a barley seed or a seed of wheat or an atom or a small ant. Uh, even, I mean, this is a proof that there is difference in iman and also it is a bushra, a good news for the people of iman that even those who have the least iman would not remain in the hellfire forever. Then the Shaykh mentions in question number 40, what is the proof or the evidence that al-Iman includes the deen يَشْمَلُوا الدِّينَ كُلَّهُ عِنْدَ الْإِطْلَاقِ And what is the proof that Iman includes the whole of the deen, every aspect of the deen, when it is used in the general unrestricted sense. يعني مطلق it means it is general. It is unrestricted, undefined, just the general meaning of Iman. When it is used in this way, what is the proof that it includes the whole of the deen? And the whole of the deen meaning Al-Islam wal-Iman wal-Ihsan. The Shaykh says the proof of this is the saying of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the hadith of the delegation of Abdul Qais, Wasq Abdul Qais. The delegation of Abdul Qais, there were a group of people who came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and they asked him, they told him, we have come from far away with difficulty, advise us with something. It is reported that he, and he ordered them with uh, four things and prohibited them from four things. And here the Shaykh mentions the portion of the hadith that is applicable to our topic. He said, Amarakum bil imani billahi wahda. That he has ordered you to have iman in Allah alone. And iman in Allah alone. This hadith, the Shaykh is saying, this is a proof that iman is not restricted just to the conviction, believing in Allah and the angels and the prophets, but it also includes the actions of a Muslim. The Prophet said to them, Do you know what is atadruna mal iman billahi wahda? He said, Do you know what is believing in Allah alone? They said, Allah wa Rasuluhu alam. That Allah and His Messenger knows best. Then the Prophet explained to them, What is this iman in Allah alone? What is iman? He says, It is shahadatu an la ilaha illallah wa inna muhammadan rasulullah. It is the testimony that nothing deserves to worship except Allah and that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. Wa iqam as salat wa ita'i zakat wa siyam ramadan wa an tu'addu aw tu'atu min al maghlam al khumus. In the rest of this hadith, the Prophet made it clear that Iman in Allah alone is not just believing in Allah, but it, is, it also requires actions. He said that it is the testimony of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, and it is the fulfillment or the performance of the salat, and the fulfilling of the obligation of zakat, and the fasting of Ramadan, and the giving over from the spoils of war al-khumus the fifth that is to be given that is for Allah and His Messenger from the spoils of war to be distributed according to the will of Allah while the remaining will go to those who participated in the battle so this hadith it is a very beautiful hadith which is a clear proof that al-Iman is not limited to the pillars of faith the six pillars of faith but it also includes in the general mutlaq sense it also includes the actions that are required of a Muslim. <coughs> Question number 41, the Shaykh asks, what is the evidence or the proof for defining Al-Iman by the six pillars, Al-Arkan al-Sitta, what we normally uh, refer to as Iman, the six pillars of Iman. He said, what is the proof for defining Al-Iman with these six pillars of faith and the tafsir? 
Yani when we are more specific in the specific sense, when we use Iman in the specific sense, what is the proof that in that situation its meaning is limited to the belief or the faith or conviction in the six main pillars of Iman? The proof of this, he said, is the saying of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam reported by al-Bukhari and Muslim. When he, uh, when Jibreel alayhi salam came to him and said to him, inform me about al-Iman. He asked him about Islam, and he asked him about Iman, and he asked him about Ihsan. And that, on that occasion, each of these terms are used in their specific sense. And the scholars of Sunnah said that whenever one of these terms is used alone, it includes the others. If somebody says Islam, it is, if you say somebody has Islam or they are Muslim, means they also believe in Allah and the angels and the prophets. And if you say they are Mu'min, it means that they also fulfill the pillars of Islam, the prayer and fasting and so on. But when they are used together, then each has its own specific independent meaning. And in this hadith, the Prophet means acts about these three aspects of the deen of Allah. He explained each, each of them in their specific sense. He said that Iman, it is an tu'mina billahi wa malaikatihi wa kutubihi wa rusulihi wal yawm al-akhir wa tu'mina bilqadari khayrihi wa sharrihi. It is that you believe in Allah and His angels and His books, His revelations, as well as His messengers and the last day, the day of judgment, and to believe in the other, the good and the evil of it. Some of the scholars said that in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ when explaining Iman, he said, أَن تُؤْمِنَ بِاللَّهِ وَمَلَائِكَتِهِ وَكُتُبِهِ وَرُسُلِهِ وَيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ He mentioned all of these things, only mentioning Iman once, and تُؤْمِن بِاللَّهِ To believe in Allah and the angels, the books and the prophets. But when he reached Qadr, the divine decree, he mentioned the word Iman again. وَتُؤْمِنَا بِالْقَدْرِ خَيْرِهِ وَشَرِّهِ And some of the scholars said that it is to emphasize the necessity of believing in Qadr because some people came after the Prophet ﷺ and they denied the Qadr. Some of them saying that Allah doesn't have absolute control over what the servants do but people are independent in their actions. And some said that Allah has absolute control and the people have no choice in their actions. And both of these are deviations. Allah has absolute control and the people also have some choice. That is the correct opinion of the people of Sunnah. So some of the scholars said that here the Prophet ﷺ has repeated the word Iman to show the importance of this important pillar which is misunderstood by many, many, many Muslims. Especially in our time and even in the past generations. So this is the proof that Iman, when it is used in its specific sense, that it is defined as the six pillars of faith. Next question he said, question number 42, what is the proof or the, or the evidence yani for these pillars of Iman? Yani ma daliluha? Dalil, what is the proof for the six, al-arkan al-sitta? What is the proof or the evidence for these things? Min al-kitab jumlatan. Yani what is the proof for these six pillars of faith from the book of Allah, from the Quran, jumlatan? Yani collectively or as a whole, what is the proof for all of these? Yani uh, collectively. And the author later mentions, mentions the proof for every one of them individually. However, collectively he said, the proof of them is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 177. لَيْسَ الْبِرَّ أَن تُوَلُّوا وَجُوهَكُمْ قِبَلَ الْمَشْرِقِ وَالْمَغْرِبِ 
that it is not albir, it is not righteousness or piety uh, that a person, yani what, it is not simply required of a Muslim yani piety or righteousness, it is not simply uh, in turning one's face and it is not righteousness or piety simply that you turn your faces to the east or to the west and this is a reference as some of the scholars of Tafsir said to the Christians and Jews the Christians used to turn to the east and the Jews to the west and they thought that merely praying in the right direction was sufficient but this is only an outward action it may be required if Allah has ordered us with that however that is not the whole of the matter he said, it is not righteousness that you turn your faces, and it's simply turning your faces to the east or to the west or a particular direction. However, al-bir, it is to believe. Man amana billahi. It is to believe in Allah and the last day and the angels. Wal-kitab. And the book, the scholars of tafsir said, it means the kutub. Al-kitab, it means the books, the revelations that were given to all of the prophets of the past and to believe in the prophets. Then the author, Rahimahullah, has mentioned another ayat in the Quran that mentions the divine decree, Al-Qabr. He said the saying of Allah from Surah Al-Qamr, chapter 54, verse 49, إِنَّا كُلَّ شَيْءٍ خَلَقَنَاهُ بِقَدَرٍ That indeed, verily, everything, everything that exists, we have created it with a qadr, with a measure that it functions or it is restricted to, it doesn't go outside of what Allah has decreed for it in terms of its existence and how it exists and everything concerning it in this world. So he said, this is the proof, and the overall, the collective uh, proof for these six pillars of faith from the Qur'an. Then he said, we will mention, <coughs> inshallah, the evidence for each of them individually. In question number 43, he said, what is the meaning? مَا مَعْنَى الْإِمَانِ بِاللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ What is the meaning? of Al-Iman having faith in Allah, the Mighty and the Majestic. And here, Al-Iman, believing in Allah, is the first of the pillars of Iman. And he discussed all of the pillars of Iman, the six pillars of Iman. However, this one being the most important of them, just as the first pillar of Islam, the Shahada of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, is the most important of them. So he has spent much time discussing, discussing, discussing this issue. In fact, he has discussed it from this question number 43, until question number 73 which in the Arabic edition or one, in one of the Arabic editions it comprises of almost 40 pages I mean 30 some odd pages on just Iman in Allah and then the other uh, pillars of Iman has discussed I mean, in less detail uh, that is because of the greater importance of this the fundamental pillar of faith the believing in Allah that everything else branches from as far as the meaning of Al-Iman Billahi Azza wa Jalla, the meaning of believing in Allah, he said, Huwa at-tasdiq al-jazim min samim al-qalb bi-wujood thatihi ta'ala. That it is the attestation, yani confirming the truthfulness of something, al-jazim, yani with certainty and definiteness, having definite certain attestation from the depth of the heart, believing in the existence of the that of Allah, yani the being of Allah's divine being, that Allah exists, wujud, that illah. Yani this is the first part of believing or having iman in Allah, it is believing in the existence of Allah's divine being. 
And then he goes on to describe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's divine being before he goes, be, and then ending this question by saying that it is tasdeeq jazm, yani certain definite attestation to the existence of Allah's divine being, wa tawheedihi, and his tawheed singling out Allah, yani distinguishing Allah from everything that exists in the creation, making the tawheed of Allah in three matters, bi ilahiyatihi, his divinity or his right to be worshipped, wa rububiyatihi, his lordship, that he is the lord and the creator of everything in the universe, wa asma'ihi wa sifatihi, his names and his characteristics or qualities. So here the Shaykh Rahimahullah has mentioned four things that are required in reference to the meaning of Iman and Allah. It is having a certain attestation to the existence of the divine being of Allah and then establishing or singling out Allah with Tawheed in these three areas, his Uluhiyah, his divinity and his right to be worshipped and his Rububiyah, that he is the Lord who created and the one who gives life and death and in his divine uh, qualities and beautiful names. Uh, the Shaykh has mentioned here, and I have uh, uh, explained the answer in a different way and just to, in order to clarify these four points. However, the Shaykh has given to the first point the belief uh, in the existence of Allah's divine being, a lengthy definition or explanation. He has said that it is the certain attestation from the depths of the heart and the existence of the divine being of Allah the Most High the one whom there is nothing that preceded him there is no bid, any adversary or one opponent that preceded him there is nothing at all that preceded Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and there is nothing that succeeds him or comes after him or follows him uh, and then he said to explain this he used the expression that came in the Quran al and then the definition of al-awwal, the first, as it came in the sunnah, فَلَيْسَ قَبْلَهُ شَيْءٌ He is the first, therefore there is nothing before him. There is nothing before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is the first and there is nothing before him. وَالْآخِرُ And he is the last, فَلَيْسَ بَعْدَهُ شَيْءٌ And there is nothing after him. He is the last and nothing follows him. وَالْظَاهِرُ فَلَيْسَ فَوْقَهُ شَيْءٌ And he is the most high. As some of the scholars of sunnah said, الظاهر it is similar in meaning with names like Al-A'la, Wal-A'li, and so on. That means high, lofty. He is a Zahir, the Most High, فَلَيْسَ فَوْقَهُ شَيْءٌ And there is nothing above him. وَالْبَاطِنُ فَلَيْسَ دُونَهُ شَيْءٌ And he is the Baqin, that is the one who is most near, and there is nothing nearer than him. And Al-Alam Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah in his tafsir of the Qur'an, he has discussed these expressions as they came in the Qur'an concerning Allah wal awwalu wal akhiru wal zahiru wal batilu and the meanings and how they came in this way and the opposite of the meanings and he said that perhaps somebody might think that they are contradictory that he is the first and the last, that he is the most high and he is the most near however these are the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the divine and there is no contradiction in them because indeed he is the first before him there being nothing, and he is the last, there is nothing after him, and he is the most high, above the seven heavens, above his throne, and he is also nearer to the human being, there is nothing nearer than him, as Al-Hafiz ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, and the scholars of Sunnah said, that he is nearer by his sight, he sees everything, and by his uh, power, that he has power over everything, and his hearing, that he has hears everything, and by his knowledge, that he knows everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is nearer 
because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hears and sees and knows and has power over everything. Then he said that he is Hayyun, the, the one who has perfect life, Qayyum, the one that is self-sufficient and independent without need, and everyone is in need of him. He is Ahadun, the one who is alone, unique, there's nothing like him. Samadun, the one that everything depends on and returns to and their needs are fulfilled by. And then he quoted from the Qur'an, لَمْ يَلِدْ وَلَمْ يُولَدْ وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ كُفُوًا أَحَدٌ That he doesn't beget nor is he begotten. And there is nothing equal or comparable, there is nothing or no one equal or comparable to him from Surah Al-Ikhlas, chapter 112, verse 3 and 4. Uh, after this description of the divine being of Allah, his that, then he said, and it is also required to believe or to affirm the Tawheed of Allah, singling out Allah alone in the three matters of Tawheed and Uluhiyah, which means Ubudiyah, that Allah alone deserves to be worshipped. Ubudiyah means that He is the Rabb, Rabb al-Alameen. And Al-Asma al-Sifat, that the most beautiful names belong to Him exclusively, and the divine characteristics and qualities belong to Him exclusively. Now, <coughs> The last two questions, one of them being very short, and the first of them, perhaps inshallah, we can join them together. Question number 44, uh, he said, ما هو توحيد الإلهية? الإلهية, it means الألوهية, or الأبودية. The meaning of these words are slightly different, but the general meaning is the same. What is the توحيد of إلهية? The more common expression that is used, that you may see more, is uluhiyah. And sometimes you might see ubudiyah, wa'ibadah. The tawheed of ilahiyah, it means singling out Allah alone for, uh, as being the divine being that alone deserves to be worshipped. The, the shaykh, rahimahullah, says, it is ifradullah, azza wa jalla, bi jami' anwa' al-ibadah, al-zahira wal-batina, qawlan wa'amalan. Yani it is singling out Allah, to single him out. For every type of worship that is done openly or secretly, inwardly or outwardly, that is done through speech or done through action, singling out Allah for every type of ibadah, whatever type it is, and after that, وَنَفْيِ الْعِبَادَةَ عَنْ كُلِّ مَا سِوَى اللَّهَ تَعَالَىٰ And negating the ibadah, every type of ibadah, from everything other than Allah. Affirming the ibadah for Allah alone and negating it from everyone other than Allah the Most High, yani whoever it may be, whether it be an angel or a prophet or a righteous person, negating ibadah from every creature, whoever it may be. And this is, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran in Surah Al Isra, chapter 17, verse 23. And Allah has ordered or decreed, your Lord has ordered or decreed that you do not worship. Anyone or anything except Him. And the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 36, Allah orders us, Worship Allah and don't associate with Him anything. Worship Allah and don't worship anything along with Him. And the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Taha, chapter 20, verse 14, إِنَّنِي أَنَا اللَّهِ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنَا فَاعْبُدْنِي وَأَقِمِ الصَّلَاةِ بِذِكْرِي 
that verily I am Allah, there's nothing which deserves to worship except me, so worship me and perform the salat for my remembrance. And there are many other ayats besides this. He says that this is the fulfillment, yani the completion or the perfection of the shahada of La ilaha illallah. Yani worshipping Allah alone and not worshipping anything along with Him. The last question we take, it is what is the opposite of Tawheed al-Ilahiyyah? The opposite of it, he said, it is a shirk. A shirk. And it is of two types. Shirk akbar, major shirk, yunafihi bilkulliyyah. Major shirk which negates or nullifies Tawheed completely. Major shirk eliminates Tawheed completely. It means if a person does it, they're out of Islam. It's finished. The matter is finished. وَالشِّرْكْ أَفْضَرْ مَيْنَ الشِّرْكْ يُنَافِي كَمَالَهُ And there's minor shirk. It is also a type of shirk and it is dangerous. It is the worst of major sins. However, it negates the perfection of tawheed. It doesn't eliminate tawheed, but it removes its perfection. It is no longer perfect. So what is the opposite of tawheed and ilahiyya? It is shirk and shirk is of two types. Major shirk and minor shirk. Major shirk is offering any type of worship whatsoever to other than Allah. It totally eliminates and nullifies and negates tawheed completely so that a person goes out of Islam. They are not considered as a Muslim. No matter what else they may do and what they may say, whoever commits this major shirk, they are out of Islam. The minor shirk, it is that which uh, nullifies the perfection of the tawheed. However, it doesn't take a person completely out of Islam. After this, the Shaykh mentions or he defines in detail what is this Shirk Akbar and what is Shirk Asghar, and these require some time and we don't want to rush through them because they are of the utmost importance. Therefore, we will stop here. At question number uh, 45, we have completed. In the next session, we will start from question number 46. Uh, here we will stop and take any questions. Subhanakallahumma. وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك. If there's any questions or any comments or any corrections of what has been said up until the Adhan or after the Adhan. If the sisters have any questions, please call us. Okay, the brother he asked a question about the narration of the authentic hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ, he said that a believer is not a believer while he is uh, committing zina, fornication. Inshallah, we'll uh, complete the question after that then. Allah And in some of the narrations, it is also mentioned that one is not a believer at the time when they are drinking khamar, and that they are not a believer at the time when they steal. And the other narrations which mention other matters, this is the most any well-known narration. The scholars differ concerning the interpretation of this hadith. However, there is an authentic narration which mentions 
that the iman of the believer at the time when they are stealing or committing fornication or drinking alcohol, that the iman rises above their head like a cloud. And if they leave that thing, it returns to them. So if a person died in that condition, they would die without iman. And this is a warning against the believers to avoid those things which destroy or negate or affect the iman for fear that a person may die in a condition which they would be without iman. Is this meaning, is the meaning of it that it increases, is this a proof of increase or decrease in iman? Indeed, it is a proof. Uh, not only for increase and decrease, it is a proof of the negation of iman. That a person's iman leaves them if they are in that condition. Because the one who is committing zina, uh, fornication or adultery, that person is in a condition, it is the condition of kufr. And it is an action, even if the person says with their tongue that they believe, but the action, it is also a testimony of disbelief. Because every act of disobedience is kufr. Every act of disobedience is kufr. Therefore, uh, those actions which are the major sins are the most serious. And the Prophet ﷺ has mentioned some of them, that the person, when they are doing that, the iman is removed from them. Some of the scholars said that it means that the iman is not perfect. I mean, there's different opinions concerning it. However, this opinion is the opinion that is confirmed in the Sunnah itself. And the other opinion, yani, that, iman, that the person's iman is not complete and perfect at the time when they're doing such acts, it is also confirmed by various evidences that show that the use of the expression that a person is not a believer uh, in the Qur'an and in the Sunnah, it is, not, it is not always in the absolute sense, but often it means that the person is not a believer, it means that they are not, they don't have complete or perfect iman. Indeed, it is clear, there is no doubt that the person while committing such an act, uh, they would not be considered as having complete and perfect iman. That is the least of what can be said about it, Allahu alam. The worst of it is that they have no iman while they are in the course of such action, Allahu alam. If there is any other question from the brothers or from the sisters, or any comment, if not, we will stop here, inshaAllah. Salam alaikum.